Hello and a big welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. As we've said before, WA Real is here to bring real stories from people who are in Western Australia. Stories that hold something to share and stories that you can learn from. And today is going to be no exception. Today, my guest is Natalie Woodman. Natalie, originally born in Perth, uh, trained as a speech and drama teacher, and then in the late 80s moved to Japan for what was supposed to be a one-year jaunt, but turned into a 16-year adventure with her husband, Michael. That also included starting up an English language school and raising three kids in a foreign country. During the mid-2000s, Natalie returned back to Perth and continued in the language space, being the executive director for an international language school. She says that it was at this point that she watched her health decline and, and, and to a point where enough was enough and she decided to pursue her passion in food and health. Taking action, she returned back to uni and graduated as a naturopath and holistic nutritionist specialising in gut health. And she has also started her company, Voy, which as well as providing a range of truly organic skincare products, also offers her gut rebalancing protocol. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, one year into 16 in Japan, how does that happen? Well, we went to, my husband's originally from Canada, from Toronto, and we thought we'll do a year in Japan teaching, because it was at that time in the 80s, big money, and then we'll head on to Toronto. And after a year, we just loved it so much that we thought, okay, we'll do two. And then after two, we thought, okay, let's just do four. We'll agree on four. One to two to four. Four. And yeah. then we'll have mastered the Japanese language, which we still haven't after 16 years. Yeah. And and then at the four-year mark, um, my husband Michael came home and said, look, I've got the opportunity to lease a space and open up our own English school. And wow. we thought, well, this is something we'd always sort of had talked about doing it. And it was frightening because it was starting a business in a foreign country with different language with things that you couldn't even read. I was um, going to say, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just, it was so foreign in every state. And I said, right, let's do it. So we lost his income immediately and we just had sort of my income and we started up and then it just kept going. And so, yeah, 16 years later. Awesome. And you um, had your three children. Had our three children. So we had one, uh, our son was 15 months when he, we went over there. He's now nearly 30. And over there we had two more kids. So we went with one kid and one suitcase and we came back with three kids, two cars, two cats and a house full of furniture. Awesome. Yeah, and it was a cool experience. What were some of the biggest things you learned during that time? Uh, as far as business, do you mean? Well, or yeah, just that's ge- good. yeah, I suppose in terms of business and you know, uh, things about the Japanese culture that you may have brought back? Well, I think that, that they are very much, com- they're not about me. Well, they are when they're driving. When they're in the car <laughs> behind the wheel, it's all about me, trust me. Um, but outside of that, they are about a community and they they think about everyone else except themselves. Right. And when you've got a community like that, it's it's so generous and it's so inclusive that when I came back here, I realized we were the exact opposite. We're all working for ourselves. You know, yes. they work for their company. And I know that you can say, well, oh, I know, but you're working for someone else and, and, you know, someone else to get rich. But if you love what you do, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're getting paid for what you yep. need to do, it doesn't matter. So I think I learned that about being less selfish being a pretty selfish person, that was probably a very good lesson to me. So maybe God plonked me or whoever is in charge of the universe said, one year is not going to do it. <laughs> you need to be there 16 years to learn a bit. And then, of course, the health. Um, 
we went over there, we were 26 and, you know, you know what it's like in your 20s, lots of like, you know, cigarettes and smoke, you know, drinking and carrying on and all the rest of of it and all sorts of stuff. And, um, but when you're young, you can bounce back pretty quickly. So we probably headed to Japan at just the right time at 26, had a child that was 15 months. And so over there, it was just amazing fresh food you shop seasonally you shop every day there's okay. nothing in cans i mean and this was the 80s which was probably very much maybe like australia was but i think we were a bit sort of further ahead i mean they yeah. didn't have a chocolate aisle they had no chocolate i mean we had to travel 70 kilometers if we wanted chocolate okay there was rice crackers and so you at the snack you ate were little uh sardine fish or you ate seaweed so that was a snack that you ate and your kids yeah. ate Awesome. So the, what we learned about health was, yeah, phenomenal. Superb. Mm-hmm. And and in terms of business, what sort of things did you learn? Business was, I think, being young and stupid has definitely got its pluses because when you're young and stupid, well, you know, I know young people don't think they are, but we all are when when we're young, um, is that you stupid. don't think about risk. You don't think about anything. You don't think about what you've got to lose. One, you don't have much to lose. Secondly, you just like, yeah, I'll go. I mean, that's why the 18 to 24 is that dangerous time because they're risk takers. Yeah. They don't care. It's like, I'll just go for it. You know, we, yeah. we call it stupidity now, but it's just, it's, they're just out Do there. Do you think we call it stupidity out of envy? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I say, so I often say to my husband, I say, yeah, my kids are young and stupid, you know, and then I think, no, what they are is they fo- they don't care and they're following their dreams or they're risk taking as long as it's not dangerous because that scares you as a parent. Yeah. But um, and and we did that. We and we went into it and we didn't really just think about it. We just did it. We had to had to make money. We had kids and we had to and and we were really passionate about educating and we didn't like the system in Japan how they they had Japanese people teaching English. Well. I mean, if you want to learn Italian, you go to an Italian person. You know what I mean? You go to someone that's their mother tongue that can give you all the ins and outs. But over there, they had Japanese people teaching English. They had learned English, but you know what it's like. It's always pidgin English. It's not quite yep. there. So we wanted to immerse kids into an environment of speech and drama and acting and playing and then learning language naturally. So, yeah, it was great. But I think, yeah, what we learned was just, just to, like, we, we, that you had nothing to lose. Yeah. We felt we had nothing to lose. So what what we were, you know. So you guys were running the business together. Yeah. So we basically, well, Michael started at first. He basically, we used to go and do letter. I mean, you're everything. You're the janitor. You're the front receptionist. You're the teacher. You know, it's, it's you're everything. Advertiser, marketing. And they were the days before the internet. So it was leaflets, letter drops into places. And so he built up a load. And then when he built up a load, we hired a teacher and then he built up another load and then I started working in the school and so you built up classes enough to fill up, you know, a, a 30-hour, 40-hour week and then when we built up a load ourselves, we hired a teacher. And so at the end of it, we had eight teachers wow. and we had Japanese staff. We had three locations and over 600 students. Um, so we just kept doing that and so we were we went in between teaching and managing, which I think worked really well because we all we really understood what the teachers went through and we could help them, you know, if they were having any issues because we had done the job, but we were also the managers of the school. Um, yeah, it just, yeah, it was amazing. So what brought you back to Perth? Yeah, I know people say that too. We, we, we questioned that ourselves after six months to a year, we thought we'd made a massive 
mistake of returning. Of returning. What was the the? We decided to return because our son was going into year seven, which is junior high school over there, which is now here, year seven um, high school. And Japan at that time, and I don't know that it's changed yet, had a very bad reputation for high schools, almost being very military-like. Most of their uniforms were a military uniform. Um, The prevalence of uh, teenage suicide against young boys was... Uh, through the roof, right. one of the worst um, around the world. And our son had been bullied a bit for being foreign already. And we just, and we really noticed a difference in teaching these kids that the primary school system over there is like a Montessori system. It's unbelievable. And the difference that it can change so radically between primary and high school is, uh, I can't work out why it is, but it is. And um, it was great for him there, but we would teach these kids and we'd have them as primary because we had the school for so long. We'd have them as primary school students and then they'd go into high school and within one or two months it was like they'd been zombieified. Right. They were not the same. They had, And then with after a year it was like this kid wasn't the same anymore. And... We just thought we did not want that for our child. So we came back, but we still own the school. And it took us and we basically flew back and forth three months at a time. We took turns. So we had, I'd go for three months. Then, and Michael would be home with the kids. Then he would go for three months. Then right. we'd come back and then we'd both be home with the kids. And then we'd go, one of us would go again. So you'd be away for three months. And we months. did that for six years. Being three months away. Yeah. Yeah. That's like extreme FIFO work. Yeah, it is. It is. It was really hard because, I mean, we sort of actually like each other, you know, as a married couple. We pretty much love each other. And we we found that really, really hard. And we found that it was really unhealthy for our relationship. And because you sort of come in and then you sort of, I don't know, yeah, it's not for us. I mean, we're sort of that sort of couple that are in each other's pockets. How keep your relationship together? Because there's a lot of people who even struggle on like two weeks on and one week off. And, you know, going up north and working on mines and what have you, two weeks away and a week back, it's quite, you know. I don't know. I can't even remember. But I know that it was, I I think when he was at, we just sort of decided, we'd talk every so often and that was the days of just Skype coming about. Yeah. Um, And we just said that, you know, we just talk and say hi, whatever that. But we just learned that it was actually better not to talk, that he just does his three months because, when you talked, when someone was in, in their life and you were in your life, you talked about the day-to-day and then you felt you had nothing else to talk about. And I just I thought it was sort of kind of sad. So we, we sort of agreed that we just didn't talk as as much, mm. That was which was better. And then when he came back, you know, you reignited everything and, right. and the other one went off. But, yeah, it is, it is really hard. You have to work out a system that, that works for you. Some yeah. people would think that wouldn't work for them, but it did for us because I can't stand that mindless chit-chat of ringing up every night. Hi, how's your day? Good. How's your day? Good. <laughs> oh, what'd you do? Yeah, the kids are this. Trans- I don't want to do that. Trans- I want Transactional I, chit-chatter. Yeah, I, but the, the real conversations happen, as you know, with a partner after a period of time. You get home, you might do that chit-chat, and then you do this, and then the next minute you start to talk something, and that takes hours to get to that. We yeah. can't do that when you're Skyping. You do, it just yeah. it's not real. So for me, it's like, oh, I'd just rather I'll, I'll see you when you come back. And it cool. worked for us. So you're back now in Perth. Yep. You're executive director of a, a language school. So we're keeping the language space going. Yep. Um, 
Was language something you enjoyed or was it something that you were good at? No, neither, neither, <laughs> neither or. So you didn't enjoy it? No, I, um, the reason I did, we were made to do English when I did speech and drama, they made us do English and I did a lot of English teaching, but I never really liked it. I liked sort of the drama space and the speech space. Um, but I loved, I loved teaching other people new things. It just happened to be that it was, we went to Japan and it was English that they wanted. Yes. And we had the, t- the, the skills had to the do skills. it. But I really don't care what it is. If I know something, I really want to teach someone how to do it, how to do it themselves. Right. So it didn't really matter. Where, where does that come from? I don't know. Maybe a desire to be right, my, my, my husband would think, it's like your way or the highway. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just, I, I want to know something. I find it, I, I learn it, and then I think, well, this is really easy. You should know this. Like I'll see people wasting money on something or doing something and I think, oh, I could teach you how to make that easier and yeah. simplify your life. So, yeah, I don't know what it is, mate. I don't know. Some some people might say it's a control thing. I don't know. Mm, some sort of sickness. I don't know. But um, anyway, so I got a job as executive director um, for this English language school. So it was teaching children from all around the world. So we had students, um, young kids mm. through to adults from, you know, Brazil, Sweden, Japan, Korea, everywhere. And they would come and I managed a staff of about 12 people um, and, you know, ran the programs and also did marketing jaunts overseas, which was a good perk of the program yeah. of going, flying here, there and everywhere. Um, and I did that, but I worked, worked into a, walked into a space that was extremely toxic of the teachers hating to be there and not wanting to change. And I'm very much, I can look, I look at something and I think we can do this better and not just better for the sake of busy work and doing, you know, things, but to yeah. make it easier. Like, yes. why are we going from there to there to there to A, B, C, you know, like why are we going A back to Z and then back to B and then all the rest of it. So I, I said, right, we can do this on computers. We can do this. And so that if you're sick, we can get a relief teacher and, they can access programs, all the rest mm. of it. Anyway, it ended up being they didn't want that, and so it, what was that? Well, I think for some people, they don't. People don't like change. I think generally, I believe most people don't like change. I find it myself when things, you know, I sleep on that side of the bed, I keep my stuff on that side of things, or yeah. I put these things here. You know, it's it's a comfort thing, isn't it? It's, it's just efficient. It's, yeah, it, it, well, it's efficient and it's comfortable, right? Yes. And then some people, so they were very comfortable. They didn't want it. It's like, well, we don't want to change because then that would entail learning something new. Yes. And I'm like, but you're teachers. That's the very thing that you should be all about because you're teaching something new. Learning for the, learning for the students, not yeah. necessarily for Well, the that's right. But you should think that you could sort of flip it back and forth. One would think. So... It got very, very stressful and um, they would not turn up for classes and they were just, it was because just of silly buggers, yeah, silly buggers, um, stupid things. And so it became very stressful and I got to the point that I was just basically coming home, having a glass of wine just to go, oh, and then another glass this of wine. This is when your health was deteriorating. Yeah. And then I'd have a glass of wine over dinner and then it would be, I'm, I'm, I'd rush out of the morning in the morning and the first thing I'd have was I'd go downstairs, get a flat white, and then I'd think, oh, I'll have a muffin. And then I didn't eat till 2 p.m. again because I was so busy. So then I'll grab another coffee and what have you got to eat? And oh, well, I'll have another muffin. And then, you know, dinner was the only sort of decent meal that my husband made. And You're I just... drinking wine with it. And drinking wine with it. And 
I just started, I started getting eczema and then I started getting really severe allergies and then really bad. I'd, and I'd always had it. My second child was really a big baby. It was like sort of like nine and a half pounds and I'm not a big person. Yeah. And it sort of moved my pelvis and my back had never been the same, but I was able to manage it quite, yeah. quite well. But I would even notice in Japan that when we came in here on holidays and if I sort of had, you know, went and had fish and chips and did this and did that while we were on holidays for two weeks, my back would flare up. But okay. then, of course, I would go back to Japan and beautiful, you know, uh, pickled vegetables and beautiful uh, seasonal vegetables. Very, very, Even though they, people say, you know, fish and sushi, that's what they think about Japan, Japanese actually just eat predominantly plant-based diet and right. they have a little tiny bit of fish right. they're not eating you know a whole fish like we do or the, the amount of meat they have a bit of meat every so often but it's the tiniest tiniest amount right so um so anyway my my back got worse and worse until i was down for like two and four weeks at a time sometimes mm. like crawling to go to the bathroom not being able to get you know right. move and what were the stories that were going on in your head at this time i was just going I, I I suppose I what didn't were you telling yourself? I didn't make the connection. I was just like that. Well, well, I have to just keep going. And what's oh. what's the alternative? I can't not work. I've got three uh, three kids in private schools, and you know we're busy working. And you got a mortgage, and you got all of these things. So I so just keep trucking. So keep truck. Well, what's my option? There is no option. And then one day I, I was, it was very, very bad. And I, it was my second week in bed and, um, I was still working from my laptop and it wasn't like I was taking time. I was just like, yeah. I can't be there, but I had, cause I was the manager and I had all the staff doing everything. I didn't have to be there and crack a whip. I was sort of crack a whip from afar, so to speak. <laughs> and so I was able, I had a really good two IC and so I was able to email and do all the marketing stuff and everything. Yeah. In bed. Um, and then one night uh, was late and I was said it was just before bed, 11 o'clock, and I had to go to the toilet and Michael said, oh, do you want me to help you? Because it was at the point that I had to have someone to pull down my pants Correct. and then to lower me onto the toilet to sit down. And were you getting any help at this point? I'd been seeing a, a chiropractor. I'd been... Um, Gone to doctors. I was taking like Nurofen to, you know, they were like just anti-inflammatories, anti-inflammatories, you know, externally, internally. You've got to keep the inflammation down. Nothing was talked about diet and all the rest of it. And I'm not a stupid person. I mean, I, I, I grew up in a, you know, a healthy household. It wasn't as though it was all, you know, fish and chips, Big Macs and, you mm. know, cans of baked beans. It was, you know. Yeah. Meat and salad and yogurts and all, all different things. Tuna for lunch, you know. So, um, I, yeah, I just I couldn't work it out. So anyway, I was going to the bathroom, and Michael was at the door between our bedroom and the ensuite, and he said, "Do you want me to help you?" I said, "No, no, I'm feeling a bit better. I think I can sort of stand there." So I sort of dropped my PJs, sat down. Like it was only a wee, but I hadn't even started. I hadn't even started it, and it was well, it was the sitting down motion that the most enormous pain shot through my body. And hit my head that I just fainted and passed out. Anyway, the next minute I came to and the lights were off in that because I couldn't even stand bright lights. It was excruciating. And for the pain, like, because I was just in pain, chronic pain. It was just 
ever present. It was ever present. It was in, it was in my lower back, but it would shoot up and it would shoot down. And, and and I feel for anybody. Back pain. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, I feel so, you know, if anyone out there has got back pain or really bad pain, there is a way out of it, you know. Um, so anyway. He, and then he said, he said, I said, I can't move, you know, it's my back. And so he said, look, I'll get a pillow, put it under your head. And when he lifted my head, he said, oh my God, it's all wet. I think you fell into like the the water or something. And then he put the light on and his hand was just covered with blood. There was just, he said, there was blood everywhere. And I'd gone straight through the shower screen and then through the tile. So I'd cut through my forehead and through my, um, uh, thing and near the eyelid. Pretty good though. Um, well, that was, that's the guy that, sewed it all up in Charlie Gardner's was um, a plastic surgery intern. Right. So that was a bit of luck because I don't have a massive scar yeah. because he did a really good job because that's where he was heading. So that was very good. Anyway, so um, ambulance came, went there, came back. And then, you know, I mean, and that same thing. Well, just to keep taking the anti-inflammatory. So I started Googling in bed going, you know, alternative to anti-inflammatories, alternative to that. And I thought. Because they weren't working. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm getting worse. Nothing's, yep. nothing's getting any better. So anyway, I just thought, okay, well, what do I do? So I started looking into nutrition and studying, and and then I just thought, but how do I do this? How do I work? And and and, and I can't afford to just leave it. So I think previous to that, I sort of thought about, you know, even though I was interested in sort of health and that, I thought, well, yeah. I just can't do anything because I, I had that mentality it was all or nothing. Yeah, so you could start to see your way out, but then the doors are closing. Yeah, because you sort of go, well, I can't do that because I've got kids at um, in high school and I've got a mortgage and all the rest of it, and so we can't lose, you know, uh, you know, $80,000, a year. That's a massive down. So I thought, we can't do that, you know, so it's just not an option. And so then I looked at it and at it curtain and doing nutrition and I thought, okay, well, I can do – when I actually looked at it, I was like, okay, there's nine contact hours a week because that's essentially what university is, it's nine that's contact nine hours, hours a week. Of lectures. And I, yeah, lectures. Yeah, yeah. And, and tutes. And so I'm thinking, well, I could do that. I could keep on working, ask to be reduced to sort of like a, you know, um, a three-quarter load – in managing because yeah. I had this built this system that was very manageable by, you know, computer. Um, so I said to my boss, look, I, you know, I want to explore different options. Didn't it go to him what it was? Yeah. Um, I was still, f- still fearful at that stage. I hadn't studied since I was fearful 20. Fearful of? Well, I, like, I generally the things, you know, I remember you, you asked me about what failures you had and I haven't had failures. Right. Anything I'd ever done worked and so except it wasn't at this point except that it was well if I didn't if I didn't tell him and if it did fail I didn't have to tell him about the failure right so the failure of studying st- and not and passing. not passing and all the rest of it because I was I was shit scared I hadn't studied mm. since I was 20 I can't even remember I don't even think we wrote academic essays in the 80s I think <laughs> we went and got the world book encyclopedia and copied stuff down I mean like I <laughs> I don't remember it, but I can't imagine. I can't remember studying. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is putting things online and it gets checked for plagiarism and you've got to use EndNote for 
your bibliography and you've got a site. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. So it wasn't just about learning nutrition. It's I've got to learn everything else. So I said to my boss, I just wanted to explore other things. He said, that's fine. You've got it under control. So I was very lucky there. Um, So a nice soft start where nobody's looking at you. No one's looking at me. Went, you know, packed my lunch pail. I think Michael took a photo on the front veranda like your first day of school and (laughs) off I went. And after the first week, I just thought I'm in the wrong place because I was uh, probably 44 at that stage. This was like 10 years ago. And um, everyone in the classroom was 17. They'd just come out of university and I just thought – this is straight out of school. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, straight out of school, and I just thought this, I, I can't do it. And then I really just had to think, like, just get over yourself. It doesn't matter. They, you're caring, and Michael was very much like you're caring what they, you think they think. But as we know, all young people are only thinking about themselves, so you're probably pretty okay. It's not just, it's not just young people. <laughs> no, no, that's right. But I mean, it is a very egocentric time of yeah. your life. Well, oh. that you've got a free pass to be. That way. Oh, yeah. It's um, part, part of life. Yeah, it's part of life's journey. journey think yeah. about yourself. Don't think about anyone. Leave every light on in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Put the rubbish everywhere. It doesn't matter if your parents yell at you. It doesn't matter. Just go for it. So, yeah, went straight back into it and did a year there at Curtin, and, um, which was great because I did all the biomedical stuff there with the cadavers and all the rest of it. So that was a great right. insight to all of that. And I absolutely loved it. I was just... Yeah, I thought, I wish I'd... What was it like seeing a diver the first time? I was actually fine, which right. I think Michael, my husband, was a bit worried about that I was so comfortable with dead bodies. But um, <laughs> it didn't worry me. Other people fainted. Um, they had to right. leave the room because of the smell. Because it's not, it's a bit of a, you know, the mm. formaldehyde. I mean, you don't, you're not smelling dead flesh. You're just smelling that. But didn't I found it fascinating. I was like, crack it open. Let's have a look what's inside. I This is... Right. This is great, you know. And um, so I went through, but nutrition at university was about getting ready to give, to put a nutritious meal together for when someone was in hospital. Right. And that type of thing. And so instead of using, they said, well, we won't have butter. So we, you know, we had a lab every week that we had to create these meals. And so what would you do to create healthy meat? Get rid of butter and we'll have margarine. Okay. That was the type of thinking. That was what it about. We'll get rid of the Coke and we'll swap it for Diet Coke. And I was going, this is, this is crazy. And if anyone's ever seen or experienced hospital food, you can understand this is, this is what we're, you're being taught to have right. a, a low, a low fat yogurt, which we still know is, was, is about, that's why we've got the obesity epidemic was because of low fat. Um, then we go into, you know, the the no pulp uh, orange juice and, the, you know, it's – I mean, if you've ever gone into a hospital, I don't know, have you and seen those I trolleys? not. My girlfriend had her appendix out last year and, yep. and? I, I've never seen anybody throw a breakfast away yes. <laughs> like yeah. that. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't eat it. It's yeah. just crap. And that's what we were being taught. Right. So after a year, I just said – I thought, this – I can't do this um, – I don't know, it's got to be a more natural whole food alternative. And so then looked at sort of holistic nutrition and then found um, the Holistic Institute of Medicine. No, I had to go elsewhere. So 
curtain so mainstream universities aren't doing anything with alternative health right. oh, apart from over east Charles Sturt University doing a, a Bachelor of right. Complementary Medicine now so but sorry, here you, nothing you finished your first year and I thought I cannot continue with studying this form of nutrition right. here at Curtin because I don't want to end up giving that food to anybody because yeah. exactly what they were saying was how I became ill how did you, how did you get, jump to that conclusion? Okay, because what they were saying, because when I was, my back was getting worse and I had the eczema and all the rest of it, people were saying, oh, well, get rid of the butter because that's probably not good. Get margarine. Swap this for this, swap for mm. this. And my condition was getting worse and worse. Right. And so I'm thinking, well, how can that be? I've firsthand experience before coming to do nutrition had taken that advice. I, I had I thought that nutrition at university was going to be different. Right. I thought it was going to be about whole foods and learning about the body and how is it metabolized, mm. which it does that part of it, but the food part of it is just crap. Right. And that's what I had been told before. So after a year I was like, well what's the point of sitting here and doing that? Because I don't believe in that. And that's how I became even worse yeah. with my condition and was still suffering at that and time. And your mission at this point was it Correct me if I'm not yeah. this wrong. Your mission at this point was to learn what you needed to know to self-heal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't even really thinking about becoming a nutritionist and helping anyone else. I just, just needed so the knowledge. Self-study. self to go, right. I need to know. I never thought, oh, well, you know, for his time I'll be practicing as a nutritionist or I'll be a naturopath oh. or I'll open a practice. That wasn't... Yeah. That that journey, I hadn't gone that far, and and it was probably one of the first times, apart from when we first started in Japan, that I stopped thinking so far forward that yeah. I just left it to be, don't worry about what's coming in the future. Let's just do what you're doing now. Yeah, and I think when you can do that, it makes it a lot less scary. So it's focusing on what can you do today. Yeah, what do I, what am I doing now? Because if you start thinking, oh, when I finish what I do, I've got to make a practice. What I do, what if I can't get people and I won't do this? And where will I practice? Will I go somewhere else? Will I do it at home? Well, you're you're worrying way before, and as well as my journey then changed. So if I had have gone down that line and freaked out about something, that actually never even eventuated. Yeah. And that was very much what we did in Japan when we started school, but only because we were young and didn't think about a future. Do you know what I mean? Because there was less to lose. Yeah, and you, but you didn't think about future. Yeah. You just thought, yeah, let's have fun now, and it's all about today, you know. Yeah. So taking that same sort of thing, and very much my, my husband Michael is very much about enjoy the journey. Forget about figuring out what's at the end or what's waiting for you. Just be here and now. So I thought that's not the what I need to do. So I started Googling again. Thank God for computers, finally, and uh, looked at holistic nutrition and found um, the Holistic Institute of, of Medicine to study, which did naturopathy, holistic medicine, nutritional medicine, so how to heal the body with food, how to heal the body with uh, you know natural supplements if needed or if you had deficiencies, and also Western herbal medicine to understand the power of herbs in healing. And right. it really resonated to, and I thought, okay, I'll do that. And I'll just continue again part time. Yep. But that part time was actually a bit more. It was about 20 hours a week. So that was fine. I just sort of adjusted my work again and it was very close to my, my work. So nobody I was, at work knew about this still. Nobody knew. Not one person knew. So 
You've had a year at university, yep. and now you're going to go and have another, what, how many years of study? Another three years. Another three years. Four years in total? Yeah. How was your health during this period? Well, in that first year, it was still just as bad. My, you know, it was, my, my back was still really achy. I'd have bouts of it. Yeah. In the second year is when I started doing holistic medicine. And the first thing was that, you know, you're sitting outside having lunch with everybody and some were in their second year, third year or whatever, and you saw this whole food. And you're sitting there and going, that's how I used to eat. What happened? Like where, what, what did I lose? Again, they were much, they were more of a mature age student, but they weren't 17. They're in their mid twenties, mid thirties, people that were sort of looking for something different. And by the very nature of the course. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And, and all very much doing the same thing, wanting to find the answers for themselves to heal. No one, I think was really there thinking about, I'm going to become a naturopath or I'm going to become a nutritionist, you know? So started then looking at these, started dropping the dairy, dropping the meat completely, chicken. I think the fish was the very last thing to go. Fish and yogurt were the last two things to go for me. And then all of a sudden was feeling amazing. So first the eczema disappeared. How did you choose the things that you chose to? Uh, I just, yeah, I sort of had to, you sort of pick your poison. And now when I speak to clients, um, I say to them, I say, well, how quickly do you want to get better? Because these are the worst mm. ones, down to sort of the least worst okay. or being shocking. Which one do you want to let we'll, go we'll of come first? Back, you know? We'll come back in a minute yeah. to what, what's on that spectrum and yeah, things yeah. like that. So, so yeah. that sort of started getting better. Um, and then mm. when, you know, continue with the studying, it felt good but still had the chronic back pain, still, you know, had a clearing, not a complete clearing of the eczema, it would just come up and down, up and down. But all in all, you know, sort of thinking of my health as being down near a, a one or two and zero being just pitiful, I'd sort of come up to about a four or five, ten right. being perfect, what I would think as being really. During, during the study period. Yeah, during the study period. Um, and then I came across, and I don't know, I still don't know how I came across it, uh, about the gut microbiome. And I... What, what is it? So the gut microbiome is the trillions of bacteria that inhabit your body in and on you. So there's 30 to 50 trillion bacteria wow. in your and on your body, and you only have 30 trillion cells. So you are more bacteria than you are cells. And they do everything from extract nutrients from foods. They um, produce vitamin B. They produce vitamin K. They feed your immune system. They feed serotonin, which is the feel-good neurotransmitter. And I, I was a gastroenterologist in America, and I, I don't, I can't even remember if it was a book or a podcast. or I don't know what it was. And I just got into it, and I, I was down in a rabbit hole, and I'm still down there looking and researching. And when I put those final things of rebalancing the gut microbiome, working at restoring my inner garden. So really my inner garden, when it was at a one or two, if you think that you're more bacteria, then if you kill them off, then you've got nothing doing the jobs of running the whole bodily systems. Yeah. And so at a one, I had an inner garden that looks much like the Amazon forest that had been cleared and burning. And by five, I was looking like the the parts of the Amazon forest that they're regenerating. That's got a few spindly sticks of trees growing, but still a bit desolate. 
now I'm up where my, my inner garden looks like a rainforest, a lush. A lush rainforest. rainforest. I love that. With love a million that. different species. Excellent. And, and yeah, and so then decided, right, well, I saw it when working with private patients. It worked with people that had eczema, that had chronic arthritis. Where did you see everything. this? So then I started to, I decided I wanted to go into private practice. Okay, so. So, yep. So we've done the study. Study, came out, and I said to my husband, that's it, I'm quitting my job. Right. Still had, uh, you so know. We've, we've gone from. Um, going down to part time. Stu- we've gone from self study to heal. Yep. To now, a behavioral trait that we picked up on the start. Yep. Um, I've got to share this now. Yeah. And this yeah. has got to be my business. Yeah, because so I sort of thought it was so simple. That that, but that's a big step, isn't it? Because yeah, even though you've you you've scaled down the regular mm-hmm. wage delivering job down to what at this point three three and a half days a week. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's still money there. That's right. Michael's earning. Yeah. And you're losing three, all of you've that. You've got the three kids in school. Uh, so by then we'd had two that left. We had the last one still in yeah, school. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you got the last one. In so school. like it, So that still sort have of a mortgage helped better, but yeah, still got still a mortgage. Got a mortgage. So there's still pressure, dependencies, pressure, mm. things like that. And yep. you know, ha- if I think of all the people out there that would like to go and follow a passion or a dream or this, that, and the other, but then they're railed in because they're the fee earner or the major breadwinner or something mm-hmm. like that. So tell me about how this next part yep. transpired. And, and, and on that point, you know, I mean, when we were doing this and I was working the th- like the three days and then studying on the three days, my husband had a job and he was made redundant during that time. And because he'd only been with the company for a sm- short time, he did get, he got like basically probably $2,000. Right. He had no job. And so we went down to being him having no work and me just working three hour, three days a week. Um, and he, he saw the importance of my studying. He said, I'll go and work at a cafe or a bar at night just so that we've got money come in. And bless him, he did until he found a job, you know, back in his industry. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, it is, you know, it's very scary when things like that happen. And I nearly got rid of it then but rid of studying i thought well right. no i've got to go back to five days a week but he was adamant that that wasn't going to happen that's a supportive husband yeah like and he said no you're gonna this is this look at you your life has changed from this yeah. you know it's changing he's, you've got he's, to finish that he's, he's seeing it naturally back. yeah he's like yeah he's like yay and it is it is because i mean it's nothing worse you if you're living with someone that's in chronic pain there's nothing worse than that because it's just miserable. Mm. There's nothing, it's nothing nice about it. You know, it's so it's miserable for the person that's got the pain, but it sure is miserable for, for everybody else, else around, them. around them because you, yeah. you're cranky when you're, mis- when you're in pain. Yeah. And then you're cranky with everyone and they don't know whether they're stepping in the right direction mm. or not. So they're suffering vicarious pain. Yeah. Um, so then we sat there and talked about it and we said, well, okay, we can scale back on a lot of the things that we're doing. We've okay. been sucked into a lifestyle of, going out and doing these things and you know uh, so we looked at going down to just one car uh you know uh we sold one of the cars and then we went down to like a really little car we um looked at all our insurances to see you know we saved thousands there just looking at everything going because when you you're earning a lot and you're busy 
you don't think about it. You just no, keep you doing it. But what you think, what people say is, I can't give up or I can't go and study or I can't do a change of job or go down to three days because we couldn't survive. But really, if you look at what you're spending, yes. you've got a pe- – and we did. We got the computer out. We put a spreadsheet, right, what are we paying – what's coming out of our bank account? And we were like, holy for dolly, shit, you know, but we're paying that for that and then calling up for quotes and – well, that's gone down yeah. from three hundred a month to fifty dollars a month, and that's gone. You know, and this is not this is not being like frugal or tight. This is about no. creating space. Yeah, and this was about like, okay, what's more important? Well, I would rather have this to start my own practice and help people than have that lifestyle again. Like, I'm not going back mm. to that of working even three days a week in that because that's an environment that doesn't sit. With what I want to do, mm. you know, so it doesn't help your health. Your doesn't life, help your health, your life. Yeah, you stress the whole thing, and so yeah, so quit that job. Michael had got a job by now. He'd got a job by now, so yeah. that was you know uh, uh, it was good. We had so uh, you know century, but we'd really cut back because we're going down to one income. Mm. And anyone out there that knows, you know, in your in your you know your mid forties, you develop a lifestyle. Yep. You know, and you get used to it. And also, too, I mean, I was talking to a we friend. We get comfortable, don't we? But also, too, you, I think a part of it is is that you, you know, we talked about at one stage, well, let's maybe just sell the house and move into something smaller and do all the rest of it. Um, and we, we didn't because we had kids coming in and out, you know, bloody kids coming back home. But um, <laughs> Boomerangs. Yeah, but it was when I talk to people of my own age group and they go, oh, you're so brave, which I don't think I am, right? You're so brave, I couldn't do that. I'm like, why? Oh, well, I, I didn't, wouldn't want to, to, you know, lose all of this. And I'm like, lose all of what? What? Yeah. Something that you're out there working till it's nearly killing yourself because they're all the same as me. They're actually in more in ill health now, a lot of my friends. Right. Okay? They're, they're obese. They're unhappy. They're unhealthy. They're... It, spiraling. It's spiraling because it's just there's just there's it's it's a one way ticket. And it's you know and it's not a good it's you know it's a yeah. one way ticket to the grave it really is. Yeah. So, you know they, they you're brave and I said no because out of all of this you've only got m- me. It's like being on the aeroplane, you know, like when it's you got to put the mask on yourself before you can help others. And I thought, I I said to people, but, but when I was in that state with aches and pains and this and that. I was no help to anybody. Yes. Or myself. So aren't I better to do this that I'm in a better situation where I can help my family and do that? But I and so they say it's brave. I don't think it's brave. I think it's a matter of you you have to do what you have to do when you find out what it is that you want to do. It's probably more a function of um they haven't found that thing. Mm. in themselves mm. that gift that passion whatever it is whereby once you lock into it then it's like well this is what i need to do i can't let go and yeah. i can't let go otherwise well i'm letting myself down i don't know how mm. i'm going to face the mirror again yeah um and if i don't pursue this then it, it, it and and it comes i found it it, it can get quite frightening in the fact that, well, I've actually now found the thing that I really like. Yeah. And then there's the whole thing of, well, what if I fail at the thing I really like? Yes. But then, but then also once you, once you find it, then it's, um, that's it. That, that's all. Then you know where you're going. Yeah. And then it becomes quite easy to look at a spreadsheet of 
costs and hmm. scale in on this and scale down on that and this, that and the other. And, you know, when, when people say to me, oh, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. I remember hmm. my brother-in-law hmm. in my first triathlon, he said, oh, I couldn't do that. And I just immediately said to him, you can, you just haven't found the bit in you that wants to do it. Yeah, that's he subsequently right. found it. Oh yeah, but um, yeah. but yeah. So Caroline, it's and it's that. But I also think in some, for some people, it's a bit of this martyr thing. Like, oh, I could never leave my company because you know it would just fall to bits without me. And you know, I want to, I, mm. I want to do this, but I'm but here because I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to be here for my children. That because it's all about them and all the rest of it. And I'm thinking. Well, hang on a second. Well, you know, your kids don't care what you're doing. My kids don't care. They probably don't, still don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it's, yeah, I think you just have to do. I mean, I, I, you know, I used to be really in awe of people that had a passion in my 30s. You know, I loved my teaching. Don't get me wrong. I loved the teaching, the school in Japan. It was fantastic. But I don't think it was like a passion. Yes. I loved what I did. I've been very lucky. I've never really worked in a job I've hated. I come to hate a job. Yes. But I've, you know, and more because of the people, the toxic environment, but the actual job I was doing, it was fine. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think, yeah, with some people, they're sort of thinking, I, I can't, I can't explore that f- space because I'll let all these people down and, mm. or, you know, well, I haven't got the luxury just to work part time, but, you know, I, I think it is possible. I think if you explore it and you, you've got nothing to lose. But, yeah, I didn't have a passion then, came passion later. But then I, I – that word passion is a hard one. Well, not a hard one. It's it's a bit misleading because you feel like you should be like, ah, and the, the heavens open all the rest of it. Essentially what it is is it's something that you really love to do all the time. So it is that it's like, oh, I love being in the kitchen and making cupcakes. You know, I don't like doing that, but I love making cupcakes. That's a passion. Call it a hobby. Call it, you know, I love being in the garden. I could spend all my time in the garden. You know what I mean? There's, that's the passion. So I think sometimes we put this word passion up there that then people think, because I, for years I thought, I haven't got one. But it was, it was there because I was really interested, always been mm. interested in food and health and exploring in some form or other until I sort of lost sight of it from, you know, drinking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that it's, I think it is there in people if they think about what they love to do. Yes. Forget about what the word passion. Yes. Because that can be sort of a bit too daunting. Yes. What is it that you, you love to do? And then keep with that. Awesome. Yep. So when you decided to set up Void. Yep. And set up your company, did you... Did you have any support? Did you get a business coach? Did you, did, or did you just go and do it? What was the business plan? What, what was <laughs> there was no business plan. I'm not a very good planner. I'm a good executor, but I don't sort of, really, I'm a jump in sort of person. So I just sort of thought, well, I'll just get the room ready and then I'll, I'll, you know, like if you build it, they will come. I mean, that was very much yeah. that sort of thing. I didn't have a, a business mentor. I thought, oh, I've got to get my licenses. I get all my health, you know, I'll sort out my health rebates, all those sort of, the busy work that you need to sort of operate yeah. your business. And I sort of did that. And then I sat there and I thought, oh, my God, how do I get a customer? Like, <laughs> how do I? Like, I've spent, I spent all this time on, you know, oh, I'll have my desk there and I'll put my sofa over there and then they'll walk in there and they'll look in here and all the rest of it without really thinking. I mean, luckily I had the skincare that I'd been doing sort of for a couple of years 
right. within and the side on that. So that was sort of generating a bit of income. Um, and then I don't know how it happened. I think, you know, I didn't advertise anywhere. I think I spoke to someone and then someone said, oh, I've got a friend that needs help. And so it came from a recommendation of a friend. And then, you know, we worked with the gut microbiome. So I was like, this is what we have to do to change the way that you eat and and all the rest of it. And so worked with that, got really good results. And so once you get a great result, then they tell someone or people see. You know, I mean, when mm. someone comes to you decrepit and can't move and all the rest of it, then after, you know, when they start, they, they lose the weight and they're standing tall and they feel, tall and they feel great. Yep. Pretty, uh, you know, impossible not for the hundreds of people around them to say, no, I want some of that. Shit, I want some of that. Like, and so then next, mm. it was just referral after referral after referral. So it's always been mm. referral. And now it comes more because I do talks, I do public talks and so that's um, getting the message out there. Getting so, the message out. So if I came to see you mm. uh, for a, a gut cleansing protocol, <laughs> yeah. what, um, what sort of things would we do? Okay, what, so it, how, how would it, it's, how would it work? It's about, so think of it that when you are in, in ill health, your inner garden is looking pretty dastardly, like we said. So it's mm. like if you, I don't know, I've not looked out the side here, but maybe your garden is in need of a, probably a good weeding, like most people's garden of the year. So mm-hmm. lots and lots and lots of weeds in your garden. That's pathogenic bacteria that have overtaken. And these pathogenic bacteria let off all these little endotoxins, these metabolites that cause more inflammation. So you get right. sicker and sicker. So it's the sicker you get, the sicker you get. Yes. Because every little pathogenic bacteria emanates a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. So it's this cycle that you've got to go off. So I first, before people come to see me, they click on my website and they have to book a call, unless they want to do one of the online programs. But if they want to come and see me face-to-face, because I say to them, I don't want to waste your time because this is not a half measure. You can't just, if you're an alcoholic, you can't just have a drink at the end of every week or a drug addict or... Uh, you know, you're addicted to certain foods and all the rest of it. It's it's all or nothing. Yeah. Because it pathogenic bacteria will keep on feeding off even a little bit and will keep it going. Yeah. So it's about I would be saying to you, okay, these are all the foods that we need to avoid. So then you look. So you really this first call, you're really qualifying or disqualifying clients. Yes, yes, because I don't want to waste their time. No. They might or say, yours. yeah, and could, you know, bad for my numbers, you know, but um, I don't want to waste their money yep. or their time. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to shove my idea down someone's neck. I have a talk to them. I find out what's wrong. They explain to me what's wrong. And I say to them, okay, this is how I work. So you're, you're really qualifying for like a mindset thing in there. Yeah. Whether they're up for the challenge. Whether they're up for the challenge. I said, I'm here for you. You're part of an online support group 24-7. I'll walk you off the ledge at the chip aisle or <laughs> at the fish and chip shop. I'm here for you because yeah. I want you to succeed, but you have to want this. Yeah. So I talked about it and I said, I'm going to be telling you for the first four weeks, you're going to be eliminating everything. You're going to have a sip of alcohol. I'm going to go out and have a meat pie. You're not going to go out and have a, a latte because you're not going to have milk in your coffee. Zero. Yeah. And then they, they they pause and they go, yep, I'm up for it. Because depending where they are or they go away and go, oh, yeah, well, maybe not. So that's fine. That's fine. Come um, back to me when you're ready. 
come back to me when Doors you're ready. Yep, or try other things. That's fine. I'm, you know, oh, I'm thinking about trying this or doing that or taking this powder first or someone's got this great pro- fine. I'm, that's Give it fine. A whirl. See you later. Give it a whirl. You know where I am if you come back, if you want to come back. So, so then, or I say to them, I say, look, you know, this is how much I cost or the rest of it, but I've got online programs where you can essentially, so you can either come in, we have a chat and we can talk, especially if someone's got a very bad long-term health condition, I always encourage them to come in because we want to explore it further. And there might be some therapeutic probiotics and some like research strains that we know help in that condition in boosting your beneficial bacteria to overtake the pathogenic bacteria. So it sort of gives you, sort of like being really weak. So when you when you're in a really bad health condition, your beneficial bacteria have almost gone to nothing. It would be like trying to grow a garden in sandy, shitty soil. Right. You'd be like, I'm not going to do anything. I need to mulch it. I need to make that soil beautiful first. Then the, then I can plant. And so it's the same sort of thing. So for people that have really bad conditions or have been, you know, sort of obese for a, a, you know five or ten years, or um, all of a sudden have got, you know different health conditions or autoimmune coming up, then I encourage them to come in because we really want to get targeted strains in there that we know that have been researched to mm. bump up those little beneficial bacteria, almost like mulch the soil and help them so that they can do their job. Um, other than that, if, they, if someone says to me, oh, I just want to, you know, getting a bit of eczema or I want to lose five kilos or whatever, I say, look, I really suggest you just get the online program. It's a support plan. It comes with... Eight weeks of um, uh, weekly meal plans, shopping lists, recipes, um, po- weekly podcast to education nice. delivered to your inbox, um, online support, and yeah. then you've got everything. And then if during it you think, well, I actually do want a bit more help, then you can make an appointment with me. Yeah. So I really want to make it that people have yeah. got options. Yes. It's not about. Well, I haven't got that sort of money, mm. so I can't do it. You know what I mean? I, I want to have something for everybody. So from the very sort of basic self-starter plan that, look, yeah, I'm in pretty good health, but I am sort of a bit concerned about a few little things that are emerging, grab the self-starter plan. Oh, no, I need more support, grab the support plan. Oh, I need a personal plan. I need to come and see you. Yeah. Then have that. So people can choose what yeah. they want. And then they've got me for eight weeks in the online support group to ask any question yes. about anything to do with their health, the food they're cooking or whatever. And do they, do they those eight-week plans, do they move in cohorts or is it? Everybody's on their own. Some people right. are starting the same week because there are. So, but it's right. great. It's great sort of like having mentors in the group. So someone came in the other week and the group said, hey, I'm in week three. I haven't, you know, been busy, but um, I found that I'm really craving Chocolate. All I can think of is <laughs> sitting in bed yeah. at night with a bar of chocolate. And within, before I could even, I saw it come up and I thought, okay, I'll get to that and I'll have a bit of a chat. I like to give a bit of space to let other people. For that, 10 people had come in and given this person tips. Oh, I found the same thing in week three. I did this. I did that in week four. So that you've got this group of people that are eating this way, that go, but stick with it. It's worth it. I no longer have. I've lost 10 kilos or my my back pain is gone. One, I had a lady that had 15 years of sinusitis that was just, it was gone in a month. Yes. She couldn't believe it. She just, she said, I'd been everywhere. I was like just short of having an operation again. 
Yes, wow. Because I just, you know, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so that way people can, yeah, they can choose what they want, you know, and do it. But, you know, I think, you know, like what we're talking about here today is, you know, people in my age, I mean, I'm 54 now. I made the change at 44. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I could have started at, at 40. Yeah. Except that I put my own stoppages on myself. Oh, no, we won't have this. Oh, we won't have enough money. Or I can't do that. Or how will I study? Or I don't need to do that. Or what if I fail? Or I, you know, like I put every single roadblock in front of me. Yep. And progressively got my health health worse and worse and worse until I fell through a shower screen yes. and went, hang on. And it could have been a lot worse than that. Yeah. But that's what it, and I say to people, don't wait for mm. the shower screens. I mean, that's just a metaphor. For yeah. It, but it's the point. It's the point where what are you waiting for? Work it out. But is that not part of life's journey of getting to the shower screen? Yeah, yeah. With the split head. Yeah. And then finally. Probably, yeah, you're right. Bang. Yep. Yeah, sometimes you need that, you know. I mean, it's sort of like the, uh, I think I was driving once when I was uh, driving Michael's TR7. I was going to a friend's house and it's raining and I was like, you know, 21 and the music was up loud and, you know, you're like, woo. And all the rest of it, and I went around this sort of bent to a friend's house, of course, wet, span around, flipped up on the curb, and the car stopped. And I was, I couldn't open my door. There was literally a <laughs> centimeter between me and a post. Right. Of it. And I never drove that way again. You know, yeah. so that's sort of like the shower screen. It's like, <gasps> it's where you kind of have to thank the universe. You thank the universe. Okay. This is, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so I won't do that again. I'm not do that. But yeah, I think what it is is that. I could not have imagined where I am now 10 years ago. Right. I couldn't imagine giving talks about the gut microbiome, helping people, turning people's lives around with health and, and you know, and teaching people how how simple it is. Yes. How they can do it. And I will, I will be there every step of the way. Yeah. You know, I've, I've made it idiot proof. All you have to do is shop, cook and eat. It's all you have to do. Take yeah. the shopping list. And, and so it's all – and what's really interesting, it's like how I used to teach, which is, okay, if I want someone, the Japanese, to learn English, or when I was here I had a drama class, you've got to give them all the tools, right? We, we, we need – you'll stand there, you'll do this, this is how we'll do it, this is the plan, and this is how we did it. So it was really – what I'm doing now is just teaching yes. again with a different subject. But the subject you're, you're- – Passionate about. Passionate about and, yeah, and can't stop talking about because I know yeah. that it works, you know. Yeah. I know I've, I mean, my, my own improvement and the improvement of, you know, my hundreds of clients yeah. is it, and I don't have to advertise because they just tell someone who tells someone and, mm. you know, that's what it is. We had um, I had a lady here last week on, on the show mm. called Grace Mint and she – um, has a background in neurolinguistic programming and she also delivers another course called MBIT, which is about getting in touch with your heart brain and your gut brain. Mm. And she was talking about how when she got in touch with her gut brain, there was almost, it, she'd almost like blocked it off. And then when mm. she opened it up, there was this surge of intuition. Mm. How, since you've cleaned up your garden. Yep, yep, yep. How much would you say you've been able to access your 
intuition uh, more? Hugely, hugely. I mean, the neurotransmitter, you know, serotonin that regulates our mood, appetite and sleep, um, our learning and memory, mm. is loca- 95% is located in the gut. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, it was, I, I, I came alive. I was more aware. And you know that whole, what we talk about, that gut feeling? Yes. It's, 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 it's very real because it is. That's where it's located. Mm. That's what's when you go, Oh, I don't know this, the idea about this. I'm getting butterflies or things aren't working. That's it telling you something. It's actually mm. work. But when we had this overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria and our serotonin cells have dwindled away to nothing. There's nothing that alerts us yes. and we're almost in a daze and feel fogged and oh, I don't know what I need to do and all the rest of it. So I find even with a lot of my clients, when they go through this, they come with this clarity at the other side and I just feel, I feel lighter. Something like they just, they said, I can't explain it, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's open. It's, yeah, it's like a lid has come off and there's, you know, the bad spirits are going woo, 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 out of your mouth and you're, you're fine. But yeah, it's, so I, yeah, I think, you know, m- message to people is, you know, I should have started earlier, but I didn't anyway. And it mm. was what it was and it is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be fearful. That's very natural, mm. but it's, it's so possible. It's you, you just have to think, well, yeah, you do have to give up something. So yeah, you might have to give out your weekly or your overseas trips or, or, or whatever, you know, or take a second job or work or not. I mean, I worked, I, I, I was in Michael and I for, you know, three years. It was like, hi, oh, no, I've got an assignment. I can't talk. I can't talk, you know. Yeah. We'd sit in cafes alongside each other and I'd just be doing assignments. I mean, I, if I wasn't at work, I was doing assignments and research. Yes. And I mean, it, it consumed me. I didn't go, I said to people, oh, I can maybe see, you know, like one outing a month or something like that. Yeah. So, yes, there are things that you have to give up, mm. but when you're loving what you do, you don't feel that way. But when you're starting it, you feel that way. Yes. When you're, you're starting, changes. you think, oh, God, have I done the right thing? Everyone's out at the pub or everyone's doing this and everyone's doing that, and I'm here, you know, researching something or other. Is this, yeah. is this what I want to do? But as you get further into it, and, and also, too, that don't worry – about where you're going because if I had worried too much about where I was going, I made would have made decisions way way ahead of my time. Yes. And in fact, I went in a year of nutrition at Curtin and it was like, mm. oh, that's not it, and swapped. So had I made plans going down that way, it would have very much it would have been a harder turn. Do yes. you know what I mean? So yep. it's just sitting where it is there, and then going to the next bit and. And, and, you know, I say to my clients the same way, I said, you know, stress is a major factor for the gut and gut health and the overgrowth yeah. of pathogenic bacteria. So, you know, when you are sitting in a, in a, in a life that you hate and you don't like and you like, you feel like, oh, I have to, you know, someone's got to do it and all the rest of it, you're not doing your health any good. Yeah. You're not doing your, and, and you're certainly not doing your, your, your inner spark. Yeah. You, you're killing it. Yeah. You know, you need to, yeah. It's it's not easy, mm. but it's probably the the best thing. And having met other women mostly, because I'm sort of talking to women all the time that have done similar things, have said, I, yeah, I can't imagine it any other way. That was it. I wish I'd done it. Yeah. Everyone says, I wish I'd done it sooner. Yeah. But 
We all we know. We can't say that with it, a lot of things. In hindsight, it's easy to say that. Yes. However, it's it comes, yeah, when the shower screen hits, the shower screen hits, Indeed. and that's when it all starts. So coming back to you with just a few questions yep. um, before we close this down. Looking forward, so what does success look like for Natalie? Uh, I think getting a lot more people in my program to help to try to spread the word. I'm doing a lot more talks now so that people can understand my success is their success. That's what success looks to me. Like I'm fine with what I earn. I'm, I don't, that doesn't drive me. Money's never been a driver. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I don't care about that. I, I care about my health. I know it sounds really chintzy and, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's easy to say that because you've got to, you know, well, we have got a relatively nice house, but it's got a big fat mortgage on it. So, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, but it is, it is very, very true. My success is in their success. You know, when yeah. I hear that, that, that's it. That's what success looks like. Getting more and more people to come in to give it a awesome. go. You've got nothing to lose by eating whole foods. Mm. You know what I mean? So what does stress Natalie out nowadays? What stresses me out? Um, and how do you deal with it? I think what stresses me out of putting unrealistic demands on myself of wanting to get things out quickly right. and get them done and, and how'd you deal getting with them perfect. Um, I'm getting much better. I Every Monday I put out a uh, – so before I used to like put my group of email and it would be six weeks before I'd say anything because I'd be working on a blog and I'd be working on the email and it wasn't quite right and, th- and nothing went out. And so now I just – on Mondays it goes mm. out. Half asked, even if it's like, even if it's a thing. I think last week I talked about porcupine legs because I looked down and realised my legs were really hairy and I was mm. like – Bloody hell. And then I was talked about, you know, the upgrade on the outside. And then I said, but you sort of got to also, th- we, we preen and pinch the outside, but what, mm. what happens to the poor inside? And then I just got off and I got an amazing response mm. from it, like an amazing response. And so now I realize is don't worry about what it is. Yeah. Done is better than perfect. Yeah. And that's what. So I'm getting better. It still stresses me out because I – so I'm even now thinking yep. about, oh, but what do I get ready for next week? But I don't know why I worry because I know it will come mm. because something will happen. Outside of outside of uh, work and what you do, what does Natalie do to sort of ground herself, and bring, her, bring herself back to herself? I, I love to – I love to sleep. <laughs> I love – I mean, I'm a late person to bed, like midnight, 1 a.m. or something like that. I'm terrible, so – I don't ever see clients in the morning and they don't want to see me, trust me, because I'm like, huh, who are you? What? What's happening? So my delay in bed in the morning and have nothing to do, I get up and I sit in the sunshine and I eat my breakfast with my cats and that is absolute bliss for me. Um, and apart from that is, you know, going having coffees with my – like I. I look for, when he comes home. I'm like, do you want to go for a walk? Or do we hang with him? I'm just happy to hang with him and my family because I'm happy that I'm healthy and I can do that. Like that, I wake up every day and I've got no pain. Yep. And so to me, it's the simplest things: going for a walk, or my daughter rings up and says, "Mom, do you want to go for a coffee?" I'm like, "Oh yeah." And I just yeah, that's my idea of success. If I can just be with mm. with doing that, and that's my that's my relaxation you know, is just being with other people. Awesome. Mm. And finally, if you could go back and 
offer a bit of advice to Natalie in her early 20s, probably not to have the child yet, mm-hmm. but soon to go to Japan or just had the child soon to go to Japan. What, what, would you, what would you say to her? I'd say, I think I'd say to her, do not listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to all the people that tell you how you can't do something because there's a lot and, you know, at that time young we were didn't listen. We're just like, oh, I'm doing it, you know, whatever. But as I got older I listened and people said, oh, no, you can't do that. You know, when I started my organic skincare range, people said, oh, there's already heaps of organic things there. There's heaps of the, people are doing that, da-da-da, you, you, you never, you know what I mean? Like all that, that nonsense, I would say to my younger self, and I got caught up in it a bit going, oh, yeah, better not do that. I can't do that. And, oh, yeah, they maybe they're right, is don't don't listen to the naysayers. They're, they're negative. The negative people, push them out of your life. They're not. They, it, leave them by the wayside. Leave them by the wayside. You know, you think that you're friends, but you're not friends if someone's not there to support you. And they don't have to blow sunshine up your ass and say, oh, that's a great idea, but they don't have to diss it. Yeah. They can ask questions to help you explore it. Out of curiosity. Out of curiosity and, you know, offer words of wisdom if they feel. But yeah. the night, yeah, I would say do not listen to the naysayers. They they drag you down. Yeah. Mm. Well, Natalie, this has been an awesome conversation. It's been super real and honest. I've really enjoyed it. It's been very captivating. No, I've thank been you. sitting I've here absolutely it. gripped. Um, I'd like to acknowledge anybody who's spent the time listening and uh, listened to the podcast this far. Um, I'm almost certain that there's plenty you're going to get out of this ranging from making decisions about your future your career Mm, and facing fears all the way through to looking after your inner garden Mm. and if you're not sure about how to do that we certainly know where to go now yeah yeah um the number one goal of wa real is to help bring real stories to people to help find stuff within yourself i believe we've achieved that today Natalie, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Bruno. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks.